The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello. Hello, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. It's about embedding our intelligence, our intelligence into the physical living landscape of work through visual devices, through systems of visual devices, through small systems of visual devices, keeping it all linked up, keeping it all articulated through these visual devices that maybe before you started listening to the show, you were thinking of as point solutions, really handy-dandy, sexy little visual devices, the Kanban, the Andon, the so-called lines and labels. But it's much more than that. This is a language, and it is a language that serves us. It is a language that enables us to become partners with the physical performance, our work, whether we're in a hospital, in a bank, in an engineering office, an open pit mine, in a factory, we have work to do, and that means that information, information and later meaning, as this information gets hooked up, information is what drives it, accurate, complete, relevant, timely information, and we can put that information bit by bit in its discrete parts, into the landscape of whatever our work is, and it will be there when and as we need it to pull it to us. Can you overpopulate a visual workplace? No. Not if you use the principles, the two driving questions, what do I need to know, what do I need to share? That is our governance. And if I need to know it or I need to share it, I can't overpopulate. Okay? And remember, our great lever is motion, moving without working. And we move and don't work because 99.99% of the time, because there is some information that is missing or we question, we can't find it or we're not sure about it. And that is what triggers motion. Okay? And that's what this show is about in its many aspects. For example, this week and last week we were talking about it's the start that stops us. We were talking about implementing, but that's a part of your success. So this show is about looking at all of the factors of making you successful in your visual conversion. Some of these factors or some of this discussion will be relevant to other things that you're doing. And sometimes we have interviews. For example, we have an interview next week, which I shall announce to you in a moment with a great fanfare. I wish we had some fanfare music. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. So I have a few announcements, and then we're going to jump into our show, which is the second half of It's the Start That Stops Us. We're going to talk about the five factors that will stop us. There's five among many, but I've, these five that I'm going to name, I believe, are very important. It's very, very much um, underappreciated, sometimes overlooked. Let me make my announcements. So we're going to be in Regina, Saskatchewan in Canada in September. And I'm going to do for the first time in the United States. I did it a couple of times in the UK in the last six months. I'm going to be presenting my visual leadership workshop. It is an introduction, but it covers the five mechanisms of visual leadership. This is an integrated template. It is not just disparate parts but it works together to help our executive leaders, our plant managers, our CEOs, our GMs, and anyone who assists them. For example, our CI groups, continuous improvement groups, do a better job because they are leading. That's on September the 16th. On the 17th, I'm going to be doing our flagship seminar, which is called Visual Workplace Visual Thinking from the book of the same name and the next day we're doing a visual sight assessment the uh, attendance on the first two is unlimited we can hold 80 90 people and i hope you all come because we lowered the price in order to make it very appealing but on the third day we only have room for uh, 15 because of the um, site's very small conference room so flyers are on our homepage at visualworkplace.com, and uh, also many of you got an e-blast. Unfortunately, if you got an e-blast and you want to send it to someone else, the links won't work, but the links are all written there if you want to um, call someone about the, the uh, seminars or actually register. We hope you're there. I also want to say I'm very excited about this. Finally, finally, we have our podcasts on our website www.visualworkplace.com you can listen to them right from the website or you can download them it's completely up to you the instructions are there there's currently about 87, 88 of them there's going to be another 10 or 11 in a week or so because we were working we've been working for 2 or 3 months and we were working with that batch we also have the descriptions there we're going to make it easier for you to see them as well so I hope that you uh, are listening to the podcasts. I just got an email today from a lady in healthcare who just discovered them, and she listens to them while she's in, I suppose, terrible traffic on, on her way to work. So that's very nice. And um, you can get to it from the homepage, or you can get to it from the black horizontal navigation pa- bar at the top of the homepage. I think you'll find your way quite easily. If not, give us a call. And the exciting news about next week is that, well, let me just say that I have been saving my pennies and I am now, right now, and last week and next week at the Hippocrates Health Institute in Florida because I had a really, really tough winter and spring, really tough, and my immune system just got shot to heck. I'm not exactly sick, but I am about to get sick, and I I said, you know, there's nothing better than having three weeks of raw green juice. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wonderful. You have no idea, or you do have every idea about what I'm talking about. But it is, it's building my immune system, and uh, I tell you, I feel like I'm filled with sunshine. I am not hungry at all, not even for a moment. I often skip dinner, and it's kind of reviving me. Well, the head of the Institute is, this is Ann Wigmore's uh, work, if you um, recognize her name. Long story, won't have time to tell you. But um, you can look up Hippocrates Institute. Anyway, remember last week I was talking about perfection? Well, in one of the, one of the lectures that uh, Brian Clement, Dr. Brian Clement, who was the director of the Institute, in one of the uh, lectures that he gave us um, this week, he was talking about perfection. And I thought, you know what? This is perfect to have another uh, thought leader who can comment on this, but from the point of view of something very personal about how perfection creates a tyranny of thought in, uh, in our approach to health. And um, I hadn't planned on this, but I'm here. And today he said yes. He's available next Tuesday. It'll be a live broadcast. And I want to uh, encourage you to please call in. We'll announce the number many, many times. So I hope you show up. You know, it's not exactly the visual workplace, but I think it's so important. I can honestly say I think it's more important than the visual workplace because it has to do with our health. It has to do with our life. And even though this show is greatly about our spirit as well, it has to do with our health and the health of our spirit. So I hope you tune in. So those are the announcements. Let's move on to today's show. It's the start that stops us, part two, five factors. So last week I shared with you my take on getting improvements started, getting your visual conversion started. Remember I told you about Chris the guy who was in charge of an, uh, a launch of visuality across three plants, three pilot sites. He's got about uh, another six or seven uh, under his, um, under his uh, directorship, but, uh, and, the, and the corporation has 54 in all. But there are three that are going to be the pilot sites that kind of get the uh, dust off of the model and get the kinks worked out, and then another 11 will join in. And this is in an industry not famous for continuous improvement. I hope I don't step on anyone's toes. This is the textile industry, not famous for people empowerment um, and um, creativity from the shop floor level. It's more uh, famous for volume and inexpensive goods. And that's very good because we get great clothes and we can afford it. And we employ, this industry employs a lot, a lot of people all over the world. But this particular company, the corporation, is different. I don't feel comfortable giving the name because I don't want to be uh, challenged on whether or not I'm right or, or wrong in my assessment of the industry. And I don't want them to get any kind of shadow of the blame of my misspeaking. But this company recognizes the importance of continuous improvement and of people, and they decided to go with visuality as a way to both create trackable bottom line results, which you have to have in this industry because the margins are so narrow, and also as a way to strengthen their culture, which is already there, but it needs to have more thrust, more juice to it, more peculiarity, I like to say. And so we're rolling out together, and as part of the deal, they're doing it through what uh, we have. We have a product called Big Screen, uh, 
big screen webinars, which are pre-recorded. And in this case, it's on work that makes sense. There are 11 glorious modules on how do you implement operator visuality through operators. So they're watching this, and we have them. Uh, we have a Spanish, uh, a Spanish, let's say, a Spanish modality because a lot of the plants are in, in uh, Spanish-speaking countries. Anyway, they're using that, and as part of the configuration of what's called deliverables is coaching, long-distance coaching. That's me. I speak to Chris about, um, and that's his fictitious name, about uh, every other week, he and his uh, corporate counterpart, and we talk about whatever is worrying him, you know, stuff about logistics or scheduling or things that um, – look a little bit tricky and so we have talks about that and then I meet with their trainers and coordinators also on the other weeks so one day Chris called me as you may remember I mentioned this last week and he was worried very smart well-meaning diligent detail-minded guy with a lot of responsibility and he had two questions in this order he said what can I expect they're about um Let's just say they are at the first cycle. We call it the A cycle. I'll explain more about that in a moment. He said, what, what can I expect? What's supposed to happen next? And by the way, number two question, how are we doing with what, we're supposed to ex- what, we're su- what is supposed to happen? How are things going? Are we okay? Are we behind? Because, you know, things are a little bumpy and, and a little bit... Um, sluggish in parts and kind of soaring ahead of us in other parts and we're having uh we're we're wondering how we're doing so i told him you know you're doing great you're doing okay you are exactly where you ought to be for where you are now in other words you are not ahead you're not behind but considering your challenges you're working through them and you are chugging you're chugging along and that really put him at his ease. And, and you know, we talked, he and I talked about that he really needed to note his gains because the gains are always hard won at the beginning, but they are won nonetheless, and they are gains nonetheless, and sometimes there are breakthroughs, and we notice those as well. So he breathed a deep sigh of, belief, of relief, and uh he he said, okay, okay, I'm not failing. Okay, no one's failing. We're on our way. And that was very important, and it always is. But I told him that that didn't mean that his implementation was not in jeopardy. Remember this from last week? Because an implementation at the start is always in jeopardy just because it's new. Unless you are very, very practiced in implementing and you have a track record in your at your site in your company things are going to rock and roll a little bit and what i want to do in the rest of the show after we come back from a break that needs to happen in just a moment is i want to talk to you about the five factors that will kind of defeat you if you aren't aware of them if you don't know that they exist you may di- misdiagnose yourself You may think that you are in trouble when, in fact, you are simply in process. You may think that you are in trouble when, in fact, you are simply learning. So we'll pick that up when you come back. Um, Here we go into our first break. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace, the second part of our show, and we are today going a little deeper into why the start will sometimes stop us. And I'm going to be mapping out for you in a short while the five factors that I've discovered are a little bit hidden, but very, very important to recognize how to deal with. Just before the break, we were talking about Chris again, this great guy, very noble person, very lovely heart, and and wants to make a contribution, wants to help his organization. I am always so moved at this, and I have I find it everywhere that people want to make a contribution, that they take these jobs, not cynically, but with a full heart, and they look for ways to be successful. And I wish them so much success, and it's one of the reasons why I started this show, because there are tricky parts, and I've learned a lot over the last 30 years, and I want to share it in case it can help you. So, Chris heard that he was... uh, he was doing okay, he was just where he should be, and nevertheless, and always, the implementation is in jeopardy at the beginning stages. And if we don't recognize that the beginning stages have a singular purpose, well, maybe two you could say. The first is to clear out the obstacles, to work with the culture that is, to work with your supervisors who are, to work with the infrastructure, the kind of tribal infrastructure, if this is your first time through an implementation, to work with maintenance and to build smooth relationships there. If they haven't been smooth, then you work to make them smoother, to build structure in, to work with supervisors who are not in visuality, who are not used to taking a passive role in continuous improvement. We ask them to not be active during the training, not during the work, but during the training, because we want this eye in what do I need to know, what do I need to share, 
to come forward the eye of the operator. That's the way it is. It's very different when we're doing visual leadership or where we're working with supervisors in something called becoming leaders of improvement. Then we want supervisors to be active. But at any rate, the first cycle is to sort all those constraints out and get things right. And the second is to really value the learning, that people are learning on all kinds of levels. And learning is a process. It is not exactly a destination. It's a process. It's something that you cultivate. So what I want to do in the rest of the show is kind of give you the framework of these five factors for you to think about. This is not, I think, a very sophisticated structure. And some of you may know things, um, know these things already. But what I want you to do is not to confuse small bumps and constitute small bumps into a big bump. Because if you see only big bumps, then you will start to see failure. You will diagnose yourself incorrectly. You will see what is not pretty about what you're doing, and it will turn into gloom and doom and doom and gloom. Then we become certain that we're failing, and in fact, we're only learning. We're in process of learning. And if we get really twisted about this, We'll feel that we're all wrong and we have to abandon the initiative. We run away, run away, run away. <laughs> we bail and in fact it is, it will be the start that has stopped us dead in our tracks. So here's the framework. I've organized my thinking into five factors. There are many more, but I like these five. Why why companies so often bail in the early stages long before they have even had time to fail. Why it's the start that often stops us. The first factor discussed last week, and I'll touch it again this week, is the mistaken pursuit of perfection. The second is we demand results too quickly. The third, we are often too casual about choosing the methodology itself. What we are going to put into place, and we are often neglectful of making sure there is also a how are we going to put it into place connected to it, what I call an implementation protocol as compared to the content methodology. We talked about this towards the end of the show last week. Four, our trainers begin to train groups for the wrong reason. Aren't you intrigued by that? What could that be? Well, I'll tell you. And five, implementers decide to reshape the methodology and maybe even the implementation protocol, if there is one, even before they've learned it. So let's begin. We're going to begin with the mistaken pursuit of perfection. Perfection is an idea that is often promoted in the world of operational excellence, especially nowadays. Jim Womack has made a fantastic contribution We take our hats off to him. We'll give him the Nobel Prize. But for me, his discussion of perfection has been misunderstood. And people will pursue perfection. And I will tell you frankly, I found that the the concept of perfection works very well for the cultures of the East, of Asia. But it is a difficult proposition for us in North America and less so, much less so in Europe. And why? Because the United States and some of our Western friends are largely lands of dualistic thought. 
we like opposites. We like black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, failure and perfection. We promote a kind of polarized thinking. We see this everywhere. It's in our politics. It's even in our religion. It's in our ideas of beauty and age and aging. There's always a good and there's a bad. And if you're on the wrong side of the fence, you're going to stay there because you're on the bad side of the fence. There is a kind of implicit and I see increasingly explicit demand to be perfect. But perfection is an interpretation, and it creates a particular kind of tyranny in the person who seeks it, and a particular kind of failure in the person who doesn't meet, meet the mark. Because for us, you know, in the, in the West, especially in the United States, the opposite of perfect is imperfect, and for us that spells failure, the tyranny of perfection. It builds a fence inside of us and between us and others. I don't like it. I don't think it's useful. I think it stands in the way of our focus on continuous improvement. In fact, it pretty much contradicts it. So this is what I've seen, and this is what I am sharing with you. As I said last week, I prefer the notion of progress. I prefer the notion of learning, modest but forward-moving, and we notice, we notice not how far we are from the destination, but how far we have moved from the past. That's our point of comparison. And when we move forward even a little, as the great ancient poet Kaiku said, the galaxy, the galaxy shifts. Even when we move forward even a little, everything changes. Perfection can rob us of the results of our good efforts, the, the result of progress. So give yourself a break, please, and recognize that, that while effort is not exactly a result, it is only through effort and renewed effort and effort again that we can proceed along this very long journey to create new outcomes, the new outcomes that we really want. You know? So that's my take on perfection. So let's move to number two. We demand results too quickly. Maybe it's us or maybe it's our managers, but somebody will kind of spoil the soup by demanding results and we don't allow the organization time, time for what? Well, you know now what I'm going to say, time to learn. Time to learn and to integrate those learnings, to utilize those learnings. When we do demand results too quickly, we rob the organization of the very foundation for the future. That is the learning. We need time for mistakes. If we don't make mistakes early on, when everything is needing to be kind of aligned, when are we going to make them? Later on? How will we absorb them? How will we even notice them? We'll ramrod them through. For example, I mean, these are just examples. I'm going to explore one of these a little bit more as we talk. Trainers have a lot to learn before they can get good at their job with a new methodology. They need time to make those mistakes, to muddle. And they need a live group to muddle before. Expecting results too soon usually demonstrates pretty much a lack of understanding of how to make 
change last, how to make it sustainable. There's so much discussion nowadays about sustainability. We have to make it sustainable. We have to make it stick. Well, to make what stick? You cannot have sustainability if you have not, first of all, taught something worth sustaining or if you haven't taught so that people understand. You have to learn first how to teach so people understand. And if you don't learn to understand, no one else will if you're a trainer. So slow down. Build the front end. Take the pressure off. A good methodology, which I'll be talking about in a moment, a good methodology will provide guiding principles for both the content and the process protocol. Okay? So slow down. Give, give yourself a break. <laughs> so now let's talk about what that means, a good methodology. And in fact, let me pick this up uh, after the break. I'm getting a signal from Matt. And uh, actually, you know, I'm long distance from Matt. I am now sitting in the boardroom of Hippocrates Institute under four sheets because all of these rooms, because it's in Florida, have tiles on the floor and the sound was too bouncy. So, Matt, we're going into our next break and I got my signal. Please come back and we'll continue with our discussion of the five factors that stop us at the start. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company gwendolyn galsworth visual workplace expert and award-winning author is available to help you harness and maximize that power with nearly 30 years of hands-on experience dr galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars site assessments total company conversions keynotes coaching and consulting learn about visuality through our books dvds on-demand webinars visual edge learning packages and a host of other teaching materials enroll in the visual lean institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or qmi affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses keep your visual workplace going and growing Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back to The Visual Workplace. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host. And we are deep in our discussion of the five factors that sometimes, often stop us at the start when we are implementing, despite our hope to the contrary. Sometimes we don't even see it coming. For example, this one, this number three, 
a good methodology, picking a good methodology. I have always said that bringing in a new improvement methodology is a decision that is made on the executive level. This is the first line of protection, the first line of strength that needs to be in place so you can proceed from strength to strength. You select your methodologies, your improvement methodologies carefully. Invest wisely. And while a CEO or GM president may gather a recommendation on what methodology is right in the opinion of his or her direct report reports, the final decision must be that executive. It's that important. And you know, in the 1990s when I was um, kind of uh, starting my own company, uh, I had been in the field about 12 or 15 years, a lot of these decisions were made, may I say, on the golf course. A CEO of a, of a big manufacturing company, new to the improvement journey, looking for a continuous improvement process, is playing golf with the CEO of a big consulting company, and the deal was struck. Mm-hmm. Both CEOs finished that game happy, whatever their score was, because a deal was made. And I'm not saying those deals were all wrong, but I'm saying it takes much more to vet an improvement methodology. And if you don't take that time, then you really are uh, spending, squandering your resource and squandering your choice. Why? Because in such an organization, uh, new, uh, an organization that is new to continuous improvement, an early failure is not an isolated event. An early failure has impact, has repercussions, and those are tangible and intangible. On the tangible level, the problem that you are seeking to solve doesn't go away. If the methodology fails, nothing gets better, nothing got better, no bottom line results. In the realm of intangibles, failure means a loss of heart, an erosion of confidence, a dimming of hope, a loss of reputation, confidence in ourselves, our own reputation, damage to the reputation of those who were entrusted with the change, including the CEO. Comparisons are inevitable, I grant you that. A company will compare itself with other companies that have succeeded in the same process and questions will be raised. Why did we fail? This was supposed to work. This consulting company or that has a long track record. What's wrong with us? What did we do wrong? Heads may roll, but the deeper damages surfaces when the company tries it again, tries to implement improvement again and maybe fails for the same reasons that were unnoticed the first time, or maybe seemingly different ones. And after a year or two of tries, the workforce will begin that famous uh, phrase. They will say, ah, flavor of the month, and they'll just wait it out. Flavor of the month. Flavor of the month happens because... You have to choose your methodology wisely and you have to make sure that it contains two elements. I spoke of this last week. It must have a what. What is the content? What is the knowledge? What is the intellectual um, properties of what you are teaching? And it also must have a how, how, what I call an implementation protocol. 
How are we going to put this knowledge in place? You can think of it as know-how. Knowledge and know-how, they go hand in hand. The protocol is the hands and feet of the methodology. Do you see? How will we put this in place so it sticks, becomes a part of the vetting process? And I will say I have been witness to many, many mistakes. And one of the things that I've been focused on over the last 30 years, really, I would say over the last 25 for sure, is the how. What is the protocol? Because I sure don't want to see companies fail because they love visuality, because they don't have a framework for implementing it. So we have always sought in my company to provide both. And you must look for those. You don't have to come to us for what we're doing, but you have to vet your methodologies so that it gives you the what? Good principles of thinking, good principles of content, of knowledge, good, um, good smart thinking, and the how. How are we going to deal with the roadblocks? What do we do with maintenance? What do we do with supervisors? I love you, maintenance. I love you, supervisors. But sometimes it's a little tricky to get all these pieces working together. Okay? How do we deal with loss production time? What are the metrics that drive us? What are the metrics for the tangibles and intangibles? Things like that. And, you know, if you have built your own success record in effectively implementing, you are likely not to struggle with this just because you're already good at it. You have a proven track record. You're one of those companies that the new company was comparing itself against. And if you are um, a person who has led the charge, you're a hot commodity because you have a proven track record and the headhunters are going to be after you. The companies that are struggling will want to bring you in because you've already cracked the code on how. You're pretty, you're a pretty darn sure bet. And you'll be able to teach others and your success elsewhere will create success in my company. So, you know, I understand that. So, there are not yet enough companies with a proven track record in implementing continuous improvement. Not yet. And, and part of that is to create a protocol that works locally. You can't use vanilla cookie cutter uh, thinking to make it work in your plant. You have to have Cherry Garcia, a lot of personality, very effective ice cream, not vanilla. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's my take on number three which is choose a methodology wisely and make sure either alongside of it or embedded in it is an implementation protocol so you have a robust how, sorry, so you have a robust what coupled with a robust how. Okay? We're not blaming anyone now. We're just trying to put some words to things that can stop you. The methodology wasn't good enough. Of course it stopped you. Oh, dear. What a disappointment. So, I want to go now into the trainer function. And this is something that I've encountered many, many times. You know, I'll, take, I'll, I'll save that remark for after the break, uh, which will be happening in a few minutes. Um, but hand-in-hand hand with that goes number four, 
which is trainers begin to train too soon for the wrong reason. Too soon means they haven't yet understood the content well enough to be able to actually teach it. Trainers, your job is not just to inform, to parrot, but you must also inspire. And in order to inspire, you have to have some command over the content. If you go through it rote, parrot-like, nobody will be able to use your teaching. You have to reach in and grab people. Many companies, unfortunately, trainers, mistakenly rush through a minimal train-the-trainer process and simply don't grasp enough to do their real job to trigger and support transformation. As a result, they walk through the material in an uninspired way. They present the material half-heartedly, incompletely, with no juice. And remember, our premise is that the content, the what, is good, is worth it. It's good methodology. And this usually happens, all right, I'll say sometimes happens, because the sponsor or management doesn't realize that the trainers are the true transfer agents. Your trainers are totally important. They transfer the knowledge and they inspire others. So the two things go hand in hand, expecting results too quickly and incomplete learning on the part of the trainer. Look, people want to do the right thing. They really do. They are sincere, hardworking, and hopeful. They want to make a contribution, but they are also nervous when they're learning something for the first time or learning it a new way. And let's face it, added to this, people worry about keeping their jobs if they're not doing a good job. So in a methodology, in my work, and I want you to consider this, we always have what we call, what I call, an A cycle. The A cycle is the first cycle of training where the purpose of the training is for the trainer to learn. The trainer is going to be training a group of people, the first group. And and if you're doing work that makes sense, operator-led visuality, the first group of operators. They're going to be training them as best they can. They will have taken their time. They will have felt that they were ready to stand up in front of the group, but they're going to make the inevitable mistakes. And when they make the inevitable mistakes, they are learning. And that is part of the process. And they go through the A cycle, knowing that the focus is on them. It is not on the operators. I'm saying this boldly to you. It is, it is not on the operators. So the A cycle is so important for, to take the pressure off of the trainers, to go through the inevitable stumbles to deal with the material. And I always think it's better for people to train in teams to begin with so that you have somebody, a friendly person in the audience giving you feedback. And one of these times I'm going to give you our little protocol for feedback. I'll make a note of that because I also have an opinion about that, about how you give feedback so the heart stays open. If the heart can stay open, then the mind can stay open. So your trainers are, are, are learning 
in that first cycle. And what I, I say this to the traders who come to us to be trained. I say, look, the first cycle A, the group is a casualty to your own learning. They're like your, your, your first kid. Your kid, your first kid's going to be a casualty to your parenting because you don't know how to do it. He'll probably need therapy by the time he's 13. But on the second kid, you get better. And on the third kid, you get really good at it. And then if you have enough sense, you won't have any more kids. But if you do, they turn out to be presidents and kings or happy people. <laughs> so we're moving into our last break and we'll finish up with number five and finish up with this item when we come back. Thank you. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. We're in the fourth segment of our show. Today we're looking at the five factors that can stop, stop us at the start. And we are just finishing up in factor number four, which is um, trainers. That trainers have to go through their own cycle of uh, learning. And we call that cycle A, the A cycle. And they go through that usually slowly. And when they're about halfway through or two-thirds through, you begin them on cycle B. They're going to do much better. They're going to be able to pick up speed because they've learned. They're becoming more sophisticated. They're understanding the nuances, the subtlety of the training. They've got somebody in the room that they can, they feel safe with giving them feedback. If you can afford this, this is great. If you can't, um, figure out another way to give people feedback you have to people need to know what they did good first and then let them name their own areas for improvement okay 
So it's not creating a training learning environment is not just going through a stack of pages or a slideshow. It is finding the juice. It is finding what will inspire us, what is meaningful, what is important to our lives as people and our lives as uh, employees of a company. They are, there's very little difference nowadays. So think about that. Think about setting aside a cycle. I call it the A cycle just for the trainers. And you know, actually, the operators who are in the A cycle, they're complete a little bit later. They, if you learn to apologize trainers, you won't do any damage. They won't really need therapy. You won't have to pay for their therapy. You just say, oops, I made a mistake last week, or oops, I just made a mistake, or John, I'm really sorry, I stepped on your toes. I uh, I will do better the next time, I promise. Or whatever it is, you, you will do that process and content thing. All right, that's another discussion. Listen, listen up. visuality is a kind of different kind of methodology to implement, different from other improvement methodologies, a little different from Six Sigma, a little bit different from Lean. It's really important that you... Create an environment where for operators, the I can come forward. The I also comes forward in visual leadership, but it is a different dynamic because you're working with top leaders or with your CI function, and these folks are groomed to um, lead the organization through their improvement journey. It is still I-driven, but on the operator level, you really do need to make this personalized and juicy. It is not a cookie-cutter methodology. It needs your personality. Let's go to number five. The company decides to adjust or change or modify the methodology before it has learned how it works. The very methodology that the company so carefully selected, remember, step number two, they decide to change it. Far too many companies decide to change and modify methodology before understanding how it works. They change the steps, the exercises, they cherry pick what they understand and remove what is new, what is suspect, what they don't understand. And in doing this, they think that they are being clever. But in fact, they are commonizing or making uniform the methodology, this is both the methodology and the deployment protocol. For example, many, many companies will use every, will deploy every methodology through the Kaizen Blitz. Kaizen Blitz is often the wrong form. Often the wrong form. First of all, it makes improvement an event-based, um, an event-based method. In other words, we're going to have a Kaizen Blitz and that's when improvement happens. But it also is uh, the dynamic of getting teams on the floor doesn't always give enough content for people to be able to bring new inventiveness to the scene. In visuality, at least the way I do it, there is a strong content in the classroom where we share wonderful devices and explain the principles behind them so people learn where we talk about motion, where we talk about eye-driven, where we talk about information deficits and about questions. And people can then become scientists of their own work and use these principles to tell the difference, to tell the difference by looking. 
to tell merely by looking, to use these principles while they work. So they are becoming scientists of their own process and improvement becomes a continuous, truly a continuous event and not uh, an event-based event. Okay? So anyway, there's a, a point in every implementation where things get rocky. Don't use that as a reason to bail or to change. It's like the... um it's like the gymnast. If you watch really great, if you talk to any great gymnast coach, what they do, I spoke to one coach once. He said, what I do with a gymnast, he was grooming Olympians, he, he believed. He said, I, if they come to me late in the game, I ask them to show me their best and I watch them carefully. And if they're very good on the parallel bars or they're very good on the balance beam, I set that aside and I don't let them do that. They can practice, but I don't work with them on that. I work with them where they don't have strength. Because if I work with them where they have only strength, then it's very possible that they won't build strength in the other areas. And it's that way when you use a methodology. Just because you don't have strength in one aspect of the methodology or of the implementation protocol doesn't mean that you should set it aside. You should cherry pick it. You have to build strength in those areas. If you spend time vetting it, do the walk. And we say, do it once, do it twice. Maybe you can change it the third time in your third cycle. But we would prefer for you to do three full cycles and then change it. Okay? The process is tricky. Far too much hangs in the balance. Far too much hangs on a seeming uncertain and dynamic future. So slow down. Keep going, but slow down. Be thoughtful, but keep going. Follow the methodology, I say to the letter. And then you can make your change at the third cycle. So here's a summary of today, our five factors. The mistake in pursuit of, that will sometimes stop us at the start. The mistake in pursuit of perfection, number one. Number two, we demand results too quickly. Number three, I beg your pardon, number two was we are often too casual about choosing the methodology itself or it lacks a separate and robust implementation protocol. And now, number three, we, we demand results too quickly. Number four, our trainers begin to train groups for the wrong reason. They think they're actually training them and in fact, what they need to do is learn how to train that particular methodology. And number five, implementers or the company decide to reshape the methodology long before they have learned it. So there's much, much more we can talk about, and I think we will as things go on. But it all boils down to this. When you begin something new and the going gets rough, there are lots and lots of reasons to bail, to let the start stop us. Most of these reasons are known, at least by someone, and a decision has to be made. And the decision I want to encourage you in is, you know, it's tough right now, but we will continue. We're making an investment. We are learning. We have chosen this road. We will walk it. You know, whether it's a working relationship, a marriage, an improvement initiative, the road is chosen. We will walk it. Don't bail. If we walk it, we will learn. If we bail, we will also learn, won't we? But it's a different kind of learning. We'll learn we shouldn't have bailed. (laughs) 
<laughs> Think about it. It's the start that stops us unless we know that and what to do about it. So think about this for yourself and for your company. I had a wonderful time with you today. I really did. And I hope you come back next week. We're going to hear Dr. Brian Clement. I'm telling you, he is the cat and the meow. And this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.